Well, welcome everyone. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today uh, for the Bridge Services Online. Uh, here we are back at the Hillcrest Parkway studio, and uh, we're just continuing to uh, navigate these uh, COVID days together. Today we're going to talk about uh, what about our freedom of speech, and I'm going to begin a three-part series about our speech. In 2017, a judge in Hawaii, Judge Rhonda Liu, ordered a man to write 144 compliments to his ex-girlfriend. This was because, previously, over a two-and-a-half-hour period, Darren Young wrote texts and called his girlfriend 144 times, violating a 2017 protection order that she had filed against him. And he had been ordered not to contact her in any way. The judge ordered for every nasty thing he wrote or said, he had to write something nice about his ex-girlfriend without repeating any words. The man spent 157 days in jail and was sentenced to 24 months uh, on probation with 200 hours of community service along with 144 compliments. The judge concluded, I don't know whether I should cut off his fingers or take away his phone to get him to stop texting. Darren Young violated the freedom of speech and a few other laws. We are blessed in this country because we have freedom of speech, a right that's provided by the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. Basically, the First Amendment uh, in the Bill of Rights limits, limits Congress, limits our government uh, in and provides freedom for individuals, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, which includes today all kinds of media, radio, TV, movies, internet, social media, media news media, and also freedom to peacefully assemble and petition uh, our government over any grievances we may have. So here's the question for us today. As a Christ follower, what about my freedom of speech? What does it look like? So today we're going to start a three-part series about speech. Um, first of all, uh, and you, this, you, can, you can follow on an outline, and you can download our outline from uh, our app or our website. And there's going to be a lot of scripture we're going to look at today. And all of that scripture is printed out if you download the outline. Um, our freedom of speech has limitations. Our freedom of speech has limitations. Uh, why? Well, according to the United States government, we have the right to express our opinions without government interference. Uh, we are also subject to laws of libel, slander, and words that incite people to violence. Uh, 
words deemed as a threat of clear and present danger. Now, God also has limitations uh, that go beyond our government. A Christ follower's freedom of speech is different than an American citizen. Let's look at, first of all, what Jesus had to say. Matthew chapter 12, in verse 34 and 35. Jesus says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Um, uh, what the mouth speaks. Our words are what comes out of the heart. Uh, our heart already has these within, these thoughts and these ideas. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. In Matthew 15, verses 17 and 18, Jesus also addresses uh, the religious leaders of the first century, the Jewish religious leaders. And uh, the context here is... Um, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish leaders because of their hypocrisy and because uh, they have criticized the disciples for not washing their hands. And he says, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? And that would be like biologically correct. But the things that come out of the person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. You see, the religious leaders were accusing the disciples of not practicing a certain kind of hand washing before they ate. Uh, not so much about were their hands free of germs. It was about a practice uh, that they had added, a tradition, a rule that they had made that God had not made. And the leaders were saying, the disciples are ceremonially unclean, religiously inappropriate. And uh, they were assuming this was sin before God. And Jesus says, it's not what you eat, and it's not uh, about hand washing. It's about what comes out of your mouth. And it's our speech that can defile us. It's our speech that can lead us to sin. So, all speech is, not all speech is appropriate in Jesus' eyes. There are limitations for a Christ follower. What kind of limitations? What kind of limitations? Well, God says this. He says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Uh, this is one of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. God wants us to use His name appropriately. Uh, it is possible to misuse God's name, to take it in vain, to say it in anger, to say it flippantly or without meaning or purpose, to say it as an exclamation. Sometimes people misuse the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Sometimes I hear people say, praise the Lord, and it's not because it, they're thinking about worship, it's because they're using it as sort of a filler to their sentence. Sometimes I hear people say, 
oh my God, or OMG. And it's really just an exclamation point in their words. Now, I'm not suggesting we be legalistic. I'm suggesting we be thoughtful and careful when we talk about God. What honors Him? Another passage that gives us uh, a limit here is Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4. And the Apostle Paul writes, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, which are out of place for a follower of Christ. But in place of that, thanksgiving. Paul says, Obscenity is inappropriate for a Christ follower. Whether you are Gen X or Gen Y or Gen Z or a baby boomer or a builder, obscenity is inappropriate. Four-letter words, bathroom talk, does that make people cool when they use language like that? Does that enhance Christ's story? Um, and then he, he continues uh, along with foolish talk and he talks about coarse jesting, jokes that are off color, jokes that are racist, um, jokes with ethnic slurs are not okay. Even when our friends think some of these things are okay. And for the Apostle Paul, instead of focusing on these things, uh, Things, uh, speech from our culture, because everybody else is doing it. And, and, that, and that's why it's so easy to get involved in um, sometimes inappropriate jokes or degrading language. The Apostle Paul says, focus on thanksgiving. Uh, use your speech to say things that you are thankful for, things that bring honor to God. This is appropriate speech. Another passage is, Proverbs 18, verses 7 and 8. And um, the writer of Proverbs says, the mouths of fools are their undoing. And, and he's talking about speech. And their lips are a snare to the very lives. And the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Um, the mouth of fools. Some speech is foolish. It has a negative effect on the speaker. Uh, their mouth, their words get them into trouble. Uh, some people are foolish and are not wise. Um, foolish speech has a negative effect. Verse 8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Gossip is inviting. It's attractive. It, it feels a need to have more knowledge, to know more. And it says that this gossip it goes down to the inmost parts. It has a big impact. Uh, just like choice food that, that meets a need of hunger and uh, enjoyment. Gossip also has the power to draw us in, to want us to give us a desire to want more information, um, just like good food does. Gossip doesn't fit with a Christ follower. Another passage is Proverbs 23, verse 
9. Do not speak to fools, for they will scorn prudent words. You don't have to speak to everyone. That's what the writer is, is sharing here. Um, you don't have to give an answer to everyone when they challenge you. You don't have to be competitive. You don't have to waste your words on foolish people. And uh, they will scorn. You might have the right answer. You, you might be quoting Scripture. And when, when there, are, there are times when fools will scorn what you have to say. And you don't have to speak to everybody. Um, you don't have to engage with everybody on social media that just says something that grabs your attention and you want to speak out on. Unless, of course, you can do it in a God-honoring way. Psalm 73, verse 9. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. What does this mean? Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Well, they, they pr profess to be God-honoring people. They, they may profess to be Christ followers, but their tongues, their speech, takes possession of the earth, meaning they, they buy into the culture and cultural values, and um, their speech is that of um, what the Apostle John would say, of the world. And... Um, they adopt the world's viewpoint and the and the and values from our culture rather than values of the kingdom. So simply put, we have freedom in Christ, and we have freedom and resources to follow him. We do have a right to free speech. Our government has some limitations, and God has limitations for us. Christ followers are called to a higher standard than American citizens. Next, secondly, our freedom of speech can be life-giving. Now this is an amazing thing about our speech as God has designed our relationships. Our speech can do so much good. How? Well, Proverbs 16, verses 23 and 24. Now, one of the key things to understand about the book of Proverbs is that the writers use different teaching devices to communicate truth so that people could memor, uh, memorize these and to think about them. They were designed to, to memorize, to think about, to talk about out loud, and to think about how they applied to everyday situations. The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction. Uh, this, is, this would be called the synonymous parallelism. It's two parts, verse 23. The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent. First part. Second part, their lips promote instruction. Um, two parts, uh, both parts saying the same kind of thing. Verse 24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. This is called the synthetic parallelism. Two parts, one part completes the other. Gracious words are a honeycomb. Words that communicate grace are sweet. They're easy to hear and to receive. Um, 
They are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. They promote a thriving. They promote both emotional and spiritual health. Proverbs 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. This is a, called an antithetical parallelism. Two parts that, that are opposite of each other. The words of the reckless and the words of the wise. The words of the reckless pierce like, like a sword. Uh, they hurt others deeply. Uh, this is very hurtful to families when people speak recklessly in their homes. It's very hurtful when a parent berates and belittles a child without thinking of the consequences. It's very hurtful when a husband puts down his wife for her appearance or for her performance. Uh, it pierces like, it's, like a sword and it can take a, a long time to heal from this hurt. Um, sometimes it may take a lifetime to heal, to recover. But the words of a wise person are life-giving. Words from a wise person promotes healing and encouragement. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Now, that's true literally, and it's also true spiritually. And those who love it will eat its fruit will experience the outcome, the fruit. Um, literally, a judge can pronounce life or death on a person's life. Spiritually, the gospel can be communicated to a Christ follower with the power um, offering eternal life. If no one shares the gospel, the result can be spiritual death. If a person rejects verbally back when the gospel is presented, it could lead to spiritual death. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Two opposites again. Life can be promoted and nourished through words of kindness and appreciation. The gospel is communicated with words that can lead to eternal life. But the mouth of the wicked, an evil person, can cover up their intentions. An evil person can fake their intentions, their intentions when actually they intend violent behavior. These are the kinds of things God's people teach their kids about living in this world. Proverbs 21, verse 23. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. This too can be life-giving. There is a place to hold your tongue. Uh, foolish speech or words that incite, words said without thinking can bring trouble and fights, trouble at school, trouble at work, and trouble with the law, just like 
Darren Young experience with his 144 texts and voicemails. So sometimes not speaking, not mouthing off, can protect you from harm. That's a wise approach. So what speech is life-giving? Psalm 37, verse 30. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues speak what is just. Uh, wisdom is life-giving. Wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. Wisdom promotes eternal values. Wisdom promotes justice among all people. And wisdom comes from God. Wise words are life-giving. Thirdly, our freedom of speech needs instruction. Now, all of our passages have been instruction. But let's look at a few more specifically, the kinds of passages that we need to be teaching and that we should be embracing. What should I learn? Proverbs 17, verse 27. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. This is the kind of thing to teach our kids. There is a place to be cool and calm with your words. There's a place for restraint. There is a place to be even-tempered in our emotions, not hot-headed, not speaking in anger. There is a place to be careful and thoughtful with what we have to say. Ecclesiastes verses 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 12 says, Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. Wise people speak words of grace, words of appreciation, words of kindness, words that build others up. But fools are self-focused and self-centered. They're consumed by their own thoughts and their own words. They don't really care much about what others have to say or think. What else is helpful for our instruction? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but, by the, but the prudent hold their tongues. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but by the prudent who hold their tongues and sometimes their keyboards when it comes to communicating on social media. Whoever uses the most words is not always the wisest person. Whoever speaks the loudest is not always right. Prudent people, wise people, are careful about their speech and they think about their speech. Uh, they know when to speak and when not to speak. There's an old saying that says, Never use a gallon of words to express a spoonful of thought. Proverbs 17, verse 28. So, hang with me, everyone. We're going to land this plane. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. This is one of my favorite Proverbs uh, because... Uh, 
sometimes I have a reputation for being a man of few words, except for maybe Sunday morning. But um, when I don't speak, I can appear to be wise. Um, sometimes being silent gives an appearance of wisdom. And uh, it can be wise not to speak sometimes. The last passage in our third point, what can be instructive? What can we teach our kids? Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes these words, let your conversation, let your life, the way you live, the way you speak, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. How we live before a watching world is so important. May we be gracious people in our speech. May our speech draw people into our lives and into spiritual conversations. May our speech, the things that we write, the things that we say, may our opinions not put people off who are non-Christians. May our lives not turn people away from the gospel. May our words adorn the gospel of Christ, whether it's at school or at the office or in the factory or on the job, during family gatherings or in our own homes. May our commitment to Christ guide our speech. I want to ask you today, would you commit with me um, to guard your speech, to continually focus on God-honoring words? I'm going to... Um, just close with some passages about a commitment to our speech. And the first passage is Psalm chapter 39, verse 1. And the psalmist said, this is his commitment, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I'm going to watch what I say. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. Sometimes we just need to muzzle our mouths and, and get some control of it. Um, especially uh, we are, when we are with non-Christians and, and how we represent Christ. And uh, so we should put a muzzle on our mouths. Yes. We should do that. Um, Consider putting a spiritual muzzle on your mouth. You don't have to engage everyone that has a different opinion than you do, a different political view. And maybe you think their view is just wrong. Unless you can, unless you can communicate in a God-honoring way, don't say or write anything. The psalmist also writes in Psalm 141, verse 3, he says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. This is his prayer. He's speaking to God. Guard my speech, God. Watch over what I say. You know, asking God to help me be sensitive about it and, and to prompt me and maybe convict me about my, my own words. The very last passage is Psalm 19, verse 14. 
psalmist says, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And uh, this is a desire. This is a commitment to honor God with, with our speech. It's talking to God that my words and thoughts would be pleasing to him. And, you know, this is when our speech really has the most freedom. When it's God honoring. We are free in Christ to follow Christ. And when we follow Christ with our speech, this brings glory to God. It enhances and demonstrates His reputation to the glory of God. And that's truly where we will have freedom of speech when it honors God the most. And so our freedom of speech has limitations. Our freedom of speech has the potential for life-giving or it can be destructive. Our freedom of speech requires instruction. We need to be instructed ourselves. We need to be fresh in God's Word I so appreciate reading Scripture, and it just reminds me about how important my words are in the world that I live in and with the people that I'm around. And we need to teach this to our kids. And we need to help each other uh, be accountable to God with our words. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I'm grateful that you have so much wisdom in Scripture about our speech, about how we are to live, how we can honor you. And God, we just want to commit today that our hearts and our minds be under the Lordship of Christ, that our thoughts, that our words would, would honor you. May your Holy Spirit guide our way May our Holy Spirit impress upon us the importance of our speech and how it demonstrates the overflow of our hearts. And if we're devoted to you, our speech should, should demonstrate that, our love for you, and it should bring honor and glory to you. Help us to be mindful of our speech. Help us to put a muzzle on our mouth when we need to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.